Good morning, Rabbi. Good morning, Joe. And we have a special guest today, Stacy. Good morning. And Stacy, as I understand it, you have a comment that really intrigues me about Judaism. You call it the little engine that could. Can you please explain your thought on that? Sure. Thanks so much, Joe. So I find that Judaism is a religion and also a culture. And it seems to me that it's one that just continues to chug along no matter what happens. Um, you know, after the destruction of the second temple in Jerusalem by the Romans in about 70 AD, um, Jews were effectively exiled throughout the world. And, but it just continued to chug along. And so I was wondering if the rabbi could talk about why that is, and then perhaps why now is Judaism struggling to survive in democratic societies? You know, I think you stated the answer very nicely when you said that Judaism is both a culture and a religion. And this has always been an issue, a problem, a concern in, within Judaism because it's not clear or clean. Remember, King David's great-grandmother, Ruth, converted. And she wasn't born Jewish. She converted because it was a religion. However, culturally, she identified with the Hebrews, with the Jewish people. And I think you've really hit on the reason why Judaism was able to survive wherever it went. Because it could be a religion, or you could fall back on the culture. And you could identify either way. And I think also this is why it presents a, a problem. There are those that claim converts don't count. However, the Talmud is very clear. It states that a convert is a Jew in all respects, and we're not to throw it back at them or not allow them to have any rights or obligations that any other Jew has. So the religion itself makes it very plain that one can convert. The counter argument then would be, yes, then you're converting into a religion. Can you convert into a culture? Maybe you want to talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So. Um as you know, I'm super into studying cultures and just to set the same stage for everyone, a culture is a system of shared beliefs, values, customs, behaviors, and artifacts that the members of the society use to cope with the world and with one another. And a culture must be transmitted from one generation to another through various stages of learning. And I think that's why I definitely associate Judaism as a religion and a culture and I think that it fits that. Um, what do you think, Rabbi? It does. I'm curious, though, you just defined culture. Can you define religion? No, I can't. And that was the question that I had for you this morning is how do you create that distinction between the two and what makes Judaism both? That's that's the $64,000 question. And as we know, the show was rigged. So he was given the answer. And so I don't, I'm waiting for God to give me the answer to the question is because when you defined culture, you did a nice job of defining religion as well. The only piece that I would add to your culture is a teaching or belief in a power or source outside the self. Well, I'm not God. But I do have a question based on Stacy's comments. 
if Judaism is both a religion and a culture, and her, and there are two questions here. One is, is it struggling more in democratic societies than in other situations where it could be more oppressed? Why do you think, A, why do you think that's true? Or do you think that's true? And B, do you think that the problem with Judaism in a democratic society is because of its culture or its religion? Or is it both? Historically, Judaism has not done well in open democratic settings. We take the Jews of Kaifang who settled in China in the days of King Solomon, King David, very early on, they maintained prayer books, they maintained a community. Once the Chinese community accepted the people, very slowly they disappeared until all we have left are documents and records that happen to have been discovered by a Jesuit missionary in China, in Kaifeng. And so the people completely assimilated into Chinese culture and lost what might be identified as unique Jewish culture because it was completely accepted. There, were, there was no reason not to do what everyone else was doing. And the religious aspect wasn't strong enough to hold people. And I think, Joe, that's what seems to be happening historically. Once we enter, we mean the Jewish people enter a culture and the culture starts serving bagels at McDonald's. And then you can get a bagel sandwich at Panera Bread with any source of non-kosher food on it you want. And once many of Jewish and Yiddish expressions, people use Yiddish expressions here in the United States and don't even realize that they're Yiddish. They've become part of the culture. And therefore the uniqueness, the separateness, the identity is no longer needed. And the question on the table would be, why isn't the religious part, the belief in a higher power, the going to services, why isn't that strong enough? And historically it is to answer Stacy's question, when Jews assimilated, let's see, this wasn't true in China, it wasn't true in India, it wasn't true in many places. Once people became adapted, the religious aspect was not enough to hold people and the group disappeared. Once the culture is very much like, let's say not Jewish culture, but biblical Hebrew culture. Um, look at the holiday of Thanksgiving. The Puritans, the pilgrims, were very Old Testament oriented and rabid anti-Semites. And they took the holiday of Sukkot, the harvest festival, and made it into the holiday of Thanksgiving. And so when we as Jews celebrate Thanksgiving, we're celebrating the holiday of Sukkot without the booth. And therefore, why do I wanna celebrate Sukkot when I have an American holiday that is already celebrating bounty, humility, and thanking God for everything we have? So I, I think there, there is partial answer to Stacy's question. The culture very slowly dissolves into the general culture and then the religious aspect can hold for a while and maybe even a small group can be sustained. Shenkai Shek, if you remember the name, his, he's 
she was Jewish without knowing it. There's several documents that go into his history and background and some customs he did it on Fridays and Saturdays that are purely Jewish, lost any meaning. And his family understood this is how a family ate. Just like a, a family may have a Sunday dinner without realizing that the prayers or what they're saying may go back to something else, but everything disappeared. So are you saying that you need a certain amount of oppression? I keep thinking of the play, I think it's the Fantastics, which was a musical play yeah. and a modern version of Romeo and Juliet. And the closing line of the play after everything is resolved, uh, there's a character called The Wall and he maintains the separation between the two families. And the last line they say after they've resolved all the conflicts, uh, the, the narrator says, oh, you must never tear down the wall. You must always have the wall. Is that what you're saying here? Yes, and I, I think we can also point to the economy here in the United States. World War II unified, unified the country and pulled us out of the recession depression. And if we look at the Red Menace, if we look at any time there was an external threat in our country, people rallied. People got together. People didn't look at you and me and us and them. All of a sudden, we unified against them, a common enemy. You're saying uh, we should go back to the old Robert Culp episode of The Twilight Zone, or was it The Outer Limits, or the more modern version of The Watchmen, where we create an artificial enemy to maintain and calm down society. But is, is it so bad? Now I'm going to ask the really tough question and the rabbi is going to have me excommunicated if they can do that in Judaism. So what's so bad about assimilation and homogenization? Are you saying that if we all start to adapt each other's holidays and customs to the point where no single holiday or custom is, remains for just one group, is that a bad thing? Or have we built the best of each society into a new whole? We'll never build the best society into each whole. Homogenization does exactly that. It reduces everything to uh, wonder white bread and white milk, having no taste or no flavor. Not against observing, not against knowing. But if we do, if in the process, we take away the the tom, the flavor, then we lose something in the process. If we all become the same level, I don't think that's good. I think we need every culture, every religion to respect everyone and even follow each other, even have some forms, some assimilation and some uniqueness that will add taste or flavor. And I'll go, oh yeah, that's right, that religion looks at it this way, or that religion says, says that about it, without it being threatening. I think the problem, Joe, is too many of us think something different is a threat, rather than seeing it as a challenge, rather than seeing it as enhancing what we practice. So I'm not against assimilation per se. I'm just not a fan of homogenization, where everything just becomes blah. And I think 
having differences is something that would solve a lot of the problems we have in society today because everybody would see that it's just different and appreciate it for that. Stacy, what do you think about the little engine that could? Would you rather see it stay more distinct? Do you think that helps or do you have any other questions? Well, I think going back to the point of culture, right? It is a community and communal concept. Whereas when the rabbi spoke about religion, you mentioned it was seeking for oneself, correct? And seeking for a way to identify and unify with sources outside oneself. It's not, yes. religion isn't to be egocentric. It's to be just the opposite. I'm just a part, just a piece. So in that sense, I think that everyone's going to have different ways in which they'll need to cope with society, be it through their culture or through their religion. And if everyone was homogenized, then you, you wouldn't have that ability to take what you needed in order to create those coping and survival mechanisms for the situations in which you're living in, which your ancestors have passed down through generation to generation, because every part of the world is different. As you're mentioning, different cultures have passed on different ways to cope and deal with what is. And if we try to make it all the same, it's, do it's destined to doom because you're asking someone from a different skill set to use someone else's skill set when their skill set was working just fine. Thank you, Rabbi, uh, for your wisdom as always. And uh, I, won't, I want you to keep chugging along. As always, I won't ask if you are coal burning or diesel or one of those newfangled electric high speed trains. And thank you, Stacy, for your question and your comments. And thank you for uh, quest your questions today. And thank you for coming, Stacy. And goodbye, Joe. Thank you.